Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Aus from Strata Central. Hi there, Rena. Hi Amanda, how are you? I'm doing great. It's lovely to be chatting with you. It has been a few weeks between our chats, but it's good to be back with my sometimes co-host. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. It's always a pleasure to be talking to you. Yes. Anybody new to the podcast, Rena is regularly here sharing wins and challenges from her perspective as a strata manager. And I try to do the same from my perspective as a strata lawyer. Few things happening in our space at the moment particularly some new regulations helping our New South Wales strata schemes deal with the impacts of COVID. And we are absolutely going to get into those. Very topical and relevant at the moment. But I might ask, first of all, Rena, for you to share your challenge this week. I know you've got a good one for us. Yeah, so this challenge, Amanda, has emanated in two particular schemes. One that I'm actually currently now managing but another one where I have been asked to give advice. And in both cases, the strata managing agent continued to manage the strata scheme after their agency agreement had expired. Mm. So when I was first told about this, I thought, oh, no, that can't be right. I said, can you please send me the agreement just so I can make sure that, you know, that is correct. And they sent me the agreement on, on both occasions and it was actually correct that the agency agreement had expired in one case three months in the other case, um, it's probably been about eight weeks. So my thoughts in relation to that and the questions that I've been asked, which is why I thought it was a great one to raise with you today, Amanda, in your capacity as a strata lawyer, is under the Property Stock and Business Agents Act, we have to have an agency agreement to be able to manage an, a strata scheme. And obviously there's terms and conditions and serving it within 48 hours, etc. And now under the new legislation, Section 50, our agency agreements now expire on a fixed date unless they're extended by the strata committee. And you and I have talked about that previously. So my question is in terms of holding trust account funds, dispersing funds, making decisions, sometimes without reference to the strata committee, how is that owners corporation going to be protected, Amanda, if the PI, first of all, if they're not able to really legally be managing the strata scheme in the first instance due to the expiry of their agency agreement, then the second instance that I've been thinking about is PI insurance. Now, if they make a mistake or there's an action taken against the managing agent, even for actually managing them without an agency agreement, would their PI policy actually cover them? Yes, it is a really um, unenviable situation. I would not like to be the strata manager who finds themselves with an expired agency agreement on their hands. And of course, that shouldn't happen. I imagine, Rena, you have procedures in place in your office where you have some kind of alerts that happen uh, prior to three months before the end of the expiry, because you do have to give that notice under Section 50, as we've talked about before. It's sounding like a number of strata management companies, and I've definitely seen this too, do not have those procedures in place. That's correct, Amanda. And I think that's been evident with a number of schemes that we've taken on. So in terms of the owners corporation's exposure, I would assume that's quite high 
during this period or perhaps not, depending on what's happening in the building? Yeah, well, I would say um, more so the strata manager who probably wants to keep collecting fees for their management and, as you point out, be protected by their insurance cover if they need to be. My understanding is with the standard form agency agreements, they don't have a clause that allows the agreement to uh, roll on month to month, for example, as we might see in other contracts, where there has been no formal extension by resolution of the strata committee and no renewal or no new agreement entered into, there's no provision for a month-to-month holding over, we might call it, in contract law. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct as far as I am aware, Amanda, because the legislation now doesn't allow for that, which is why they did change it because these contracts were just scrolling on from month to month Mm. and people were sort of not really thinking about it, whereas now with the new Act, it brings back everyone's attention to a fixed term and then having to reconsider your agency agreement every three years, which is the maximum term if you did have an agreement for that period. Yeah. So if the agreement has expired, then there is no agreement between the owner's corporation and the managing agent. That is, as you've said, a breach of your obligations under the Property Stock and Business Agents Act. It is a breach under the Strata Schemes Management Act. If the strata plan was so inclined, I think they would have grounds to Mm. claim either a refund of fees paid during that period or to demand that there are no fees charged. It's really tricky because if we were looking, for example, at a construction contract where there are requirements under the Home Building Act for residential building work for there to be a written contract, even though it is a breach of the Act where that contract doesn't exist, if the contractor has done work, there can still be a claim by the contractor for the owner to pay at least the value of the work that has been done. They can't be unjustly enriched, we say, and get away with work done for free just because the contractor either made a mistake or overlooked that requirement for for a written contract. So I do, as you've asked me to, with my lawyer's hat on, bear in mind what the obligation of the owners corporation would be if they continued to be serviced by the strata manager during that period of time if the strata manager is still doing work but it's a, it's a really sticky situation there are the insurance issue absolutely i think a lot would depend on the period of time are we talking 3 months 6 months are we talking 2 weeks and what is it that the strata manager is doing to get that extension or that renewal in place well i mean in both cases amanda one's currently at eight weeks now and one was for three months. So I suppose, I mean, they're not insignificant, but they're not significant terms. But I think what's been happening is that the agent's been trying to get themselves reappointed after their agency agreement has expired without bringing that to the attention of the strata committee, even to say, can we just do an extension? That's the issue. On both occasions, they they are aware because they've said that we have to get our agency agreement re-signed and, um, The issue of money hasn't really ever come up in terms of them saying we don't want to pay you, but I think it's more about the risk that's posed to them while there's no valid contract. And obviously if things were going well, then I wouldn't be aware of it, nor would I have taken over the strata scheme. So there are some issues in relation to, you know, money that have been dispersed without authority, those types of issues, which I think probably would have an impact when an agent doesn't hold a current valid agreement. 
Yeah, I mean, there is the legislation and then there is, as I was alluding to earlier with the construction example, there is then the common law and there are then principles around the relationship between an agent and their principal, their client, for example, that would govern that relationship and, and require the agent to continue acting in accordance with their fiduciary duties. That all needs to be taken into account and that will all be relevant to how the specific situation is rolling out. But certainly if there's a building that has an expired agency agreement, they are well entitled to go and seek proposals from other strata managers, convene a general meeting and appoint a new manager. They don't even have to terminate their old manager because that old manager is no longer engaged. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, well, that's definitely a food for thought. And when you think about it, they don't even have the authority to even convene a meeting, even if they did have that authority delegated to them. Exactly. Yep, yeah, that's right. Okay, so interesting one. And I think you're right, Rena. This is, I've seen this a few times. You've seen this a few times. It is concerning that certain managing agents don't seem to have procedures in place to have a handle on the expiry of their agreements. And they do need to have a handle on that because they no longer have that fallback of rolling over contracts in New South Wales. I am going to share with you a quick challenge from my side. This one is a question from a listener that relates to the investment of owners' corporation funds. And it was a pretty straightforward question. It is, does the Strata Committee have the authority to place surplus funds on term deposit or does that investment require the approval of a general meeting? Do you know that one, Rena? Yeah, I mean, the answer is the Strata Committee has that authority. It does not require general meeting approval to um, proceed on that basis, definitely. Yes, I uh, had a quick look at the legislation and there's nothing in there in New South Wales that would prevent a strata committee from resolving, deciding to invest funds in a term deposit, for example, and some very well-managed buildings with great budgets have been able to do that and I have uh, been involved with such buildings. They do exist. But we must also look at Section 58, which refers to an authorised deposit-taking institution. Now, Rena, you have pointed out that Fair Trading has a list of authorised deposit-taking institutions and it is not, as one might assume, all banks or all institutions. No. So basically pre-GFC, one particular strata management company was actually investing a lot of their trust account term deposits in Rabobank because Rabobank at the time was giving it was one of, actually, it was one of the strongest banks in the world mm. and it was giving much higher interest rates for term deposits than, say, you know, other Australian institutions. And then at the time after there was a few issues that had occurred in terms of how this had happened, the agency was notified that Rabobank was not on the list of approved deposit-taking institutions and that had something happened with Rabobank, with the GFC especially, that all those buildings would have lost their term deposits potentially and obviously the agent would have been in quite a lot of trouble because they were offering that bank as one of the institutions in which to invest. Mm. So you, you can see on the list of there's quite a few um, banks on there but there are other banks like you know, Delphi banks, there's credit unions. So there are other institutions apart from the, the big four oh, and Macquarie, sorry, I forgot, which is a big strata supporter. There are other institutions that you can banks that you've probably never even heard about 
like Unity Bank, for example, that's one of the banks you could invest in, Greater Bank, Delphi Bank, mm. and credit unions. There's a number of credit unions listed on that list. Yes. So the list we're looking at is on the Fair Trading New South Wales website, and I will put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. And this relates to any trust account operated by an agent, so a licensee in charge under the Property Stock and Agents Act. I think I think it's actually called the reforms in March changed the name of the act to the Property Agents Act, I think. I did that. Um, yes, better get used to that. <laughs> no, no, I can say the wrong one too. So important to be across that as I hope if you're an agent you are. If you are self-managed, then my understanding is that this doesn't apply to you and you can invest your funds however you like. This is a requirement that's placed on agents Correct. pursuant to their obligations. And that's to be covered under that scheme that I mentioned earlier, Amanda, where if agents happen to take trust account funds and for their own purposes, then I think if it's not with those institutions, then you're not covered. Yep, fair enough. Under that, Sounds under that good. Scheme. Yeah. Uh, and I have just clarified it is the Property and Stock Agents Act. It used to be, as we've been saying, the Property, Stock and Business, Property Agents, Business Agents Act. Act. <laughs> now the Property and Stock Agents Act. Uh, and I had a, a chat with Sasha Bow a few episodes ago on the podcast about those changes. Uh, mm. So, right, good one. Not as simple a question as we might have thought there. Mm. So we can, our strata committee can resolve to invest surplus monies. They can do that without a general meeting resolution, but they do need to make sure that the funds are invested into an account established in an authorised deposit-taking institution in the name of the owners corporation. And what I haven't mentioned, and I've just found it now, is section 78 is the one that uh, specifically refers to authorised deposit-taking institutions. It also comes up, as I mentioned earlier, in section 58. Interesting. Okay, thank you for that question. Uh, Sometimes our listeners want to remain anonymous, so that is why you might not hear me mention their names. What we are going to do now, if it sounds okay to you, Rena, is have a chat about the new regulations that started in New South Wales on the 5th of June to help our strata schemes better manage themselves and strata managers manage their clients during COVID. Are you happy with that? Yes, that'd be great, Amanda. It's um, something that's just very topical, as you said. This came out last, was it Friday? Or? Mm, we are recording this just a few days after this has come out. Hopefully there are no <laughs> dramatic changes between now and when this episode goes to air. But it is new part 11 in our Strata Schemes Management Regulation in New South Wales. And I will put a link directly to that new part in the show notes. It's just two pages. It is five new sections. There is also a summary over on New South Wales Fair Trading's website, and I will put that in the show notes also. But I'm looking directly at the legislation here. I haven't yet had the opportunity to cross-refer to Fair Trading Summary, but I will do that so that I can let you know uh, for sure that that is a good summary to rely on. What are these sections doing? Well, first of all, where previously we had to resolve to opt in for electronic voting, new Section 71 in Part 11 says that electronic voting is permitted at meetings of the Owners' Corporation or the Strata Committee, even if the Owners' Corporation or Strata Committee has not resolved to adopt those means of voting. So you are now deemed to have approved your electronic voting. You can go ahead and participate in electronic meetings and also conduct pre-meeting 
electronic voting. So that sounds like a good thing to me. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, it's funny because I had a meeting on the 3rd of June to allow this to happen in one of our large schemes and because we had sent out the agenda like 17 days beforehand. So um, it's one of those things that you know, had we known this was coming so soon, it was obviously we've been involved in behind the scenes on the REI Strata chapter subcommittee, mm. but not knowing the date that it was going to happen um, meant that we still had to take action until it became law. Mm, Yeah. yeah. And very interestingly, in new section 71, it says that this section applies despite any requirement in the act for a vote to be exercised in person. Okay. Makes sense. But expressly does not permit pre-meeting electronic voting to be used for an election. Mm. Now, that is a clarification of a question that has been flying around for some time, really, since our new legislation, our 2015 Act in New South Wales started. That question comes up all the time. Can you conduct a strata committee election by pre-meeting electronic voting? It was not specified in the Act. Interestingly, it is specified in these additional sections that permit electronic voting regardless of there being an opt-in resolution. It's actually great that we actually had this clarification now it's really, I think, helpful for managers all across in terms of elections, et cetera. It's funny, I actually had someone ask me a question the other day that their strata manager told them that they can't have an election, but they didn't mention the pre-meeting. They talked about having a Zoom meeting. Now, I think if it's if it's done by Zoom, I said, that's just like having a real meeting in person. Yes. The election should still take place. Yes. And they were, and they were told that this committee will remain, Amanda, as a committee until they can have an election. I said, well, if it's a Zoom meeting then you can't have an election. So yes. I think let's make sure that people don't get confused by what is meant by a pre-meeting vote versus a Zoom meeting or any other type of video conferencing medium. Yeah, really good point. I've had that question before as well. Can we have strata committee elections during an electronic meeting? Absolutely. And that is what you should be doing if you're holding your annual general meeting by electronic meetings such as Zoom. No reason why you can't do that. The other thing that these amendments do, they insert new section 72, which sets out an alternative to affixing the seal of the owner's corporation. I have to say, I find the wording in this section a little bit confusing. I haven't quite got my head around it and there might be some typos there, I have to say. Uh, But I think the intent is to allow documents to be signed on behalf of the owners corporation without the seal actually being affixed and where a witness is required a witness can witness the signing of the document by audiovisual link and we definitely already have that legislation in place in New South Wales that I've relied on recently to witness statutory declarations and affidavits so it's it's looking like that's now being incorporated into our Strata Schemes Management Act. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the intention is, Amanda. Under the execution and lodgement of documents section on the Fair Trading website, it says, if the managing agent is a corporation, the law enables an officer of that corporation to sign on behalf of the owner's corporation or association. Officers who can sign include the president, chairperson (laughs) or other principal officer of the corporation and any member of staff authorised by the president chairperson or other principal officer. I wasn't really aware that there was a president for a corporation. So I'm, <laughs> I think 
proprietary limited corporation doesn't have a president. But anyway. I'm not or wasn't aware of that either. And I'm just cross-referring to Section 72 and it does use that word. It's not a fair trading extrapolation. I'm not sure what they may have copied to Mm. include that word. But I think the, uh, the overall intent of that section is to allow documents to be signed without necessarily affixing the seal, acknowledging that people may be away from the office and not have access to the seal. But have a close look at it because there are some uh, strict requirements for what must then be indicated on the document, including dates, names of signatories, witnesses, the relationship of each signatory and witness to the owner's corporation. So have a closer look at that. Uh, Section 73, the extension of time periods. So where we must hold a first AGM within two months of the end of the initial period that has now been extended out to no later than six months after the end of the initial period. So that will be helpful for new strata schemes, hopefully. I think it was always really hard even before COVID to comply with that timetable, Amanda. So maybe that might be something that perhaps may not be six months forever, but maybe three. Mm. Uh, I think um, having that extra time is definitely going to be beneficial for many um, new strata schemes. Yes, indeed. I agree. And also where we previously had, I believe, Rena, it was three months to reimburse admin or capital works fund where you have transferred money out of those funds. We now have six months for that transfer. But I mean, in practical application of that, I mean, that never really happened with any strata scheme, to be honest, because when they were using funds from one fund, they never really had an AGM within a three-month period to sort of pay it back. Right. or a general meaning to pay it back. That's never actually happened. It's some it's of those sort of theoretical provisions in the Act. I mean, for example, many schemes that we've taken on from other managers have actually had a budgeted deficit in their admin funds. They're actually not even budgeting to have a closing balance that's, you know, in a physical positive amount. It's actually in deficit. And um, it's been really interesting that, buildings haven't really understood the effect of that because when one fund is in deficit, where's that money coming from? It's coming from the other fund. And it's mm. I've had a building where I think for the last five years I've had admin fund deficits and they've never actually ever been repaid. They've actually been increased over time. So each year the closing balance of the admin fund is in, in deficit by greater than the previous year. And this has been going on for four years. And in one scheme, it was like $76,000 in deficit. I'm thinking, how can this happen? Mm. So, um, yeah, but that provision um, sounds good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> on paper, yes. Well, it's interesting. Look, I, I started off this summary by saying there were five new sections. I've only mentioned three key points here. That's because the first section uh, relates to a definition. That's section 69, the definition of relevant strata meeting. And then section 70 refers to giving notices of meetings to email addresses or via email where a person has specified an email address as their address for service. I think that's the case anyway, isn't it, Rena? Yeah. I mean, you have to consent now before this um, amendment came in to being allowed to be served electronically, even though you've given us an email address. So even if you had specified that email address as your address for service. Or I mean, sometimes people will say, they'll give us, say, their service of notice, but they say they're happy to accept genders and minutes and correspondence by email. So, mm. but we obviously have a form that we get people to complete so that we make sure that if there's ever a problem, like, for example, I didn't get my levy notice or my minutes or this, then we say, hang on, we've got the form, we're sent by email. 
And if it perhaps goes into junk, this is something that people aren't aware of because if you don't check your junk, and I suppose especially like Gmail, I think people don't really check their Gmail. It doesn't really sort of give you a like a bit of a, I mean, to me, it's so far down on your on the sidebar. Whereas look, it's quite obvious. Yeah. So after thirty days, Gmail will then automatically delete anything that's in the in your junk box. So, and sometimes by the time you find out that you haven't paid your levy, it's mm. usually after that period when you get your reminder letter and you've been charged a fee. So, um, yeah, some people prefer to receive those notices by post still. Yeah, or they're now making sure that they check their junk. Um, <laughs> yes. as well so yeah yeah so look that is the summary of our new part 11 in the regulation uh as you will have worked out we're not dealing with things like overdue levies or interest on overdue levies or pursuing levy recovery or time frames for building defects claims that's it where we're dealing only with electronic voting affixing the seal and time frames for the first AGM and reimbursements to funds. So you will hear me chat to Michael Kleinschmidt on the podcast, an upcoming episode very soon, which we've already recorded, where Michael talks us through the legislation that has been introduced in Queensland, which is quite different to this and uh, indeed does delve into those other issues. Um, interesting that New South Wales has taken a different approach, at least for now. I think, Amanda, yeah, there were submissions, I think, for interest rates to be changed and reduced and et cetera. But I think obviously the government has decided that six months that wasn't really going to be worth pursuing. Yep. And perhaps recognising that our schemes have a bit more flexibility than Queensland schemes do to deal with unpaid levies or not and to waive interest or not and decided that we didn't need that intervention, which uh, on one view is fair enough. Yep, I agree with that. <laughs> All right, so links to new part 11 in the regulation are in the show notes, to fair trading summary in the show notes. Rena and I will keep looking at these provisions. They're very fresh right now, so do forgive us if we have misstated anything or overlooked. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, strata managers out there, committee secretaries, lawyers, feel free to touch base with me and let me know what uh, your clients and your community are concerned about. And we will dig deep on those either on the podcast or over on the Facebook page on a Friday four o'clock happy hour. That sounds wonderful, Amanda. Thank you very much for being with me this week, Rena. I will look forward to our next chat soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?